Magalhaes to Stokes, who's onside. Wagner. Here's Sims. It's a good serve this from Southampton. They could finish the job here. It's Shane Long, and he has done it. Just a minute to play. A stoppage time. Here's Letizia. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Saints FC podcast. Uh, normal service has been resumed, and I have Mr. Tom Parker back in the room with me. Hello, everyone. Hi, Tom. How's it going? It's good. It's uh, it's been a good couple of weeks to be a Saints fan. Excellent, excellent times. Um, and uh, yeah, as always, I'm I'm John Bailey, uh, your host for this evening. And uh, yeah, Tom, as as you've kind of suggested. It has been a good few weeks uh, to be a Saints fan. Um, we've played four games since uh, we last put out a podcast. The first one didn't go so well, but I don't think anyone was necessarily expecting it to go particularly well. Should we, should we talk about that and then build up to a crescendo of success as uh, the last four games have gone for us? Absolutely. Let's, let's move towards the, the light at the end of the tunnel. I think with the Spurs game, I think anyone would have been astounded had we got anything from the game. I think... Tottenham, it's just a shame Chelsea are so good, I think, because you're kind of hard to appreciate probably how good Chelsea are. Tottenham are a great team, and I think whilst there, you know, a lot of people say we could have come away with it in the second half with a tool, I think, you know, what is it, 11 wins on the bounce at home, and I don't think anyone expected Saints to get much, but they did themselves credit. Yeah, there, there were a few moments we thought, oh, you know what, we we could we could just nick a point here. Um I went to the game at the end of last season where we won, was it 2-1 or was it 2-0? I can't remember now. I think it was 2-0, Stephen Davis. That was just yeah. after they'd sort of blown the, the no, title. No, it, it was 2-1. Oh, it was 2-1, yeah. okay. Um, I'm judging, oh, yeah. You're doubting yourself. Yeah, I'm doubting myself. Anyway, but you know, that. yeah, they, they'd kind of lost it. They'd done their um, their spursiness, as uh, other people like to call it. They'd kind of uh, thrown it all away. But um, this season, I, I really wasn't expecting very much from that game, and yeah, so it proved. I think the only glimmer of hope was when you saw that Kane got injured. Not that you want to see any player <laughs> injured, but that was the only moment you thought, oh my God, maybe maybe like the stars could align. Um, yeah. But they've just got so much going forward. I think um, you know they gave Fraser a warning then in the first few minutes uh, with a chance from Son, and then Ericsson does what he seems to do every single time he plays us which is score I swear that in the last sort of two years in Premier League only about 15 players have ever scored against us because it's always the same ones time after time and and Ericsson is definitely someone I would put in that bracket yeah I've always quite liked uh, Ericsson I've also always quite liked Sigurdsson I think they're both quite similar players and he always scores against us yeah and he always scores against us as well and in fact Charlie Austin when we're knocking around the lower leagues he used to always score against us Local boy, they've got a point to prove. They? Yeah. Anyway, um, so should we should we move on? I, well, let, let's give a little bit of analysis on Spurs because they are, I suppose, title contenders elect for the second season running. For the second season running, I don't think they're going to get the title. Um, and you do kind of wonder. You, th- you kind of think longingly about what would Southampton have been like under Pochettino for a you know, couple more years. Yeah, it's interesting because 
Pochettino, uh, Pochettino, whatever we want to pronounce his name, I think, you know, Spurs had that similar thing that Saints had under him, which is they all seemed to get tired after about 80 minutes. I remember Saints teams under Pochettino getting a bit tired. They, they chased the ball down so well, and they just faded a little bit towards the end. And I wonder if the difference is, at Tottenham, he's got players that can put them two or three goals ahead of any team by the time 80 minutes comes up so that they can just kind of ride that out. Plus, they've just got some, you know, they've got world-class players, haven't they? Yeah. I think, you know, Abdeveld and even like Carl Walker, Laurie, these are Harry Kane, Ericsson. Yeah. Ali is probably going to be the best player in the world in about five years' time. Um, they're that's just a, that, that's quality a big players. shirt there. Well, you've got to look. I mean, if you're looking at what players, if, if the only... The only indicator, this is a smarter man than me once yeah. this out, the only indicator of future performance is past performance. Yeah. And Ali seems to have everything. He's doing exceptionally well. I mean, we were just talking about him before we started recording and it's, it's his 21st birthday tomorrow, today? Tomorrow's Tuesday, so yeah, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, we should probably mention we're recording this on the 10th of April, so... Um, it may not go out to, to the Wednesday, but yeah. Um, it, he probably is 21 by the time you listen to, to this, but he's already done quite a lot, hasn't he, at 21 years old? I think they're talking about more goals and assists than Gerard Lampard, all these players at the same age. Um, he just seems to be a complete footballer. Yeah. Um, yeah, he can shoot with Simulu either foot. He's got blistering pace. He's good in the air. Um, he's still a bit impetuous the season, uh, season off, uh, sending off early this season in the Champions yeah. League but he just seems to have everything in his locker and I think Spurs are maybe going to find out this summer a bit maybe what it's like to be a Saints fan because I think every club in the world probably apart from Barcelona and Real Madrid are feeder clubs to someone else mm. and um, maybe uh, Spurs are about to find out what that's like that'll be interesting anyway let's move on from, from Deli Alley um I suppose one of the things which we might want to talk about is in between the Spurs and then the Bournemouth game, which was the next one, uh, we had a couple of England fixtures which were notable for Southampton for the presence of, um, well, we had two kind of England regulars in there, so Fraser Forster and Ryan Bertram were in the squad, as expected, but also uh, Nathan Redmond and James Ward-Prowse made it into the England squad. And... uh, how do, how do you think they get on? What, what 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 did you make of their performances in the England shirt? I mean, I think it's clear the performances were were limited. I think a lot of football fans, England fans, like, you know, smaller club fans, I think, you know, mo- well, all fans moan about their players going in the England squad because all that seems to happen is they either get injured or something happens and it just annoys people. But, you know, in the limited amount of time, I think they did pretty well. The most important thing is you've seen two players come back with real confidence and real vigour. You know, there's no doubt that they, when they went away, they were playing well. But it seems to be that since they came back, it's given them a lift. Um, you know, Redmond looks like a world beater at the moment. He just need a couple more goals and he'll be really something. And Ward Prowse seems to have finally found out, you know, we, at the age of... And I think we may be doing misjustice. He's only like 20 two or something I think he's still so young that, that, that is the thing that always astounds me is that we're, we're, what we'll do is we'll quickly look up James Ward Prowse's age but you're right because when people talk about him you think he's been knocking around for years now um, 
but he, he started when he was 16, didn't he, for Southampton? Yeah. He got his first, and that's why it feels like maybe it's been a bit slow. Yeah, 22 years old. And he's so, not 23 until November. No. So I think, I think he just seems to have been around forever. And I, it made me laugh today. Uh, Wenger was talking about a lot of the young Arsenal players. And he, he said about young, you know, Kieran Gibbs. Kieran Gibbs is 27. Um, he's not young. No. And, but I think with Ward Prowse, I think Saints fans have known about him for so long. He was the one sort of youth player after Shaw and Bale. He was one of that generation that had actually stayed Mm. And Lallana, and I wonder if maybe we expected too much of him. Yeah, um, and I think he struggled a little bit in the eyes of a lot of Saints fans, my own included, because he wasn't quite a defensive midfielder. Well, he definitely wasn't a defensive midfielder. He wasn't a winger. He wasn't an all-action Kante-style centre midfielder. He was kind of an anomaly because he clearly had talent, but I don't think anyone really knew what to do. But this season, you know, he's now, I think, level with the most appearances he's made um, in the Premier League for Saints. Uh, and he has come on leaps and bounds. And he seems to, in this system, found his niche. And I think he looks like a really dangerous player now. Um, and I hope he can kick on to the end of the season. Yeah, he has, I think, I think probably underwhelmed would be That's fair. the word I would use to describe uh, James, Ward's, James Ward Prowse's career um, up to this point. It's all that potential. It's that hearing about him. It's the fact that he started when he's 16 years old. And you think of some of the players that started when they're 16, like the Wayne Rooney's, the Theo Walcott's, and think about how exciting, um, you know, what exciting players they, they've kind of gone on to become. Um, but this season, there has been a little bit more. The, especially, I think, since he moved a little bit further out towards the right. He seems to be more effective. His crossing um, seems to be creating more chances than perhaps he ever managed in, in the centre of midfield. Yeah, we saw that in the EFL final, the goal, well, the goal that never was. Uh, I think that was his cross for for um, Gabbiadini's first goal, of the goal that was... Dis- no, actually, sorry, it was for Gabbiadini's actual goal was his cross. You know, a deadly low cross in the box. And I think he seems to have added a lot more to his game. And I think one of the things he seems to have stopped doing is trying to shoot from distance all the time. I think Saints fans were so desperate for him to score these kind of matty wonder goals. And maybe he's just sort of pulled back from that a little bit, been a bit more quietly effective. And the goal against uh, Palace the other night was great because maybe the old James Ward Prowse would have passed that ball into Taddock and then waited on the edge of the box for something to drop. And instead yeah. this time he didn't. He charged into the six-yard box. And all right, it's a simple goal. It's a goal that won't go down in history, but it was a really important one on the night. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to pick you up on another thing as well. So you just said Nathan Redmond was a world beater a few moments ago. So justify that statement, Mr. Parker. Well, okay. World beaters might be a bit strong, but if you look at every football league in the world, one thing people can't handle is pace. Very few people have got real blistering pace combined with great ball control. Um, and what Redmond seems to do, and I think the goal against Watford, that first goal, uh, where he started the move just, I think, on the halfway line, ghosted past two Watford players, uh, and then, you know, passed on, I think, to a great pass from James Ward Browse. Um, you know, you're seeing someone now who's kind of finding, like, what his job is, and he causes all sorts of problems. I think you saw it great against Man United in the NFL final. I think he is really sort of picked up the mantle. I think he, I think everyone knows now and has come to realise that 
he is not yet, if he's ever going to be someone who plays through the middle. Um, he just seems to be really damaging teams um, and scoring goals. And he scores scrappy goals. You know, he scores difficult goals. And I think he seems to be actually surprisingly good in the air. I think there's a lot to come from Redmond. And again, he is someone who's younger than people give him credit for. Yeah. So, yeah, but I, I think they could be kind of an exciting feature for Redmond. I think probably Claude Puel saying that uh, he reminded him of Thierry Henry maybe didn't help things at the start of the season because, okay, I think most of us took that with a pinch of salt, but people are thinking, well, you know, he's a professional football manager. He's played with Thierry Henry. He sees him every day in training. You must yeah, know. exactly. If, if he's seeing that in him, you know, maybe, maybe there is something there. And, um, you know, that I think Thierry Henry is probably one of the greatest players to have ever graced the Premier League. Certainly, I remember... Um, watching an Arsenal team completely destroy us at St Mary's once and he, he was just wonderful to watch if it wasn't against your own side yeah. Um, but yeah we'll, we'll see where we get with Redmond I think world beater might be a little bit strong at this point but he's, he's starting to look dangerous and he, and he looks like he could worry most defenders at yeah. the moment I mean, I think it'll be, we've got the game against Man City coming up we'll probably talk a bit more about how that we think that's going to go but he caused Man City real problems last time round. He got the goal, but yeah. they were all over. They were all at sea looking after him. And I think, yeah, you know, he's a genuinely exciting player. Yeah. yeah I think we we're, were lucky to have him. So, I mean, so basically we, we've come off of that and we're going to decide that we're not moaning about players going off and playing international football. I personally, as a Saints fan and an England fan, find it quite exciting when I can combine my two football loves on, on the kind of field at the same time. Um, so, yeah, I always think it's great when the Saints players break into England's squad, apart from the fact that they always seem to get transferred fairly soon after. But It's a shop window. Yeah. I, I think... One of my main bugbears with England in many years, and this comes from the Matty thing, and I think many Saints fans feel the same, is that there was a genuine feeling for years that the team wasn't really picked on merit. It was jobs of the boys. Um, and no matter how clear it didn't work, you know, Lampard and Gerrard would start every game. And it, it, it you never felt that, like, uh, that it was really a merit system. And I think with, like, Defoe coming in, scoring yeah. a really good goal. Um and James Ward-Prowse and Redmond giving in their chance. I think it's a sign that maybe uh, Southgate wants to, you know, bring back that merit, bring back that pride a little bit. And I, I, I really welcome that. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how how it goes under um, Gareth Southgate. And long may uh, James Ward-Prowse's and uh, Nathan Redmond's runs in the England squad continue. If we're talking about the international break, I think we also need to talk about Dusan Tadic. Having um, learned how to pronounce. Yeah, having gone on YouTube earlier and found out how to pronounce Tadic. Yeah, and then we've got the Dushan as well. So it's not, not even Dushan, Dushan Tadic. And um, he's had a phenomenal international year with Serbia. Um, and we were just kind of having a little look at his uh, statistics. And 2016, 2017, so he's played eight games, scored six goals, but he's also had a bag load of assists as well. He's been involved in a hell of a lot of Serbian goals. And it also, what's quite interesting is I think that is also coming, the confidence that he's getting from Serbia seems to be coming out on the pitch for Southampton. I think he had a pretty slow start to the season. Um, and now he seems to be playing much better, looking much more dangerous as well. He, uh, There's no doubt about his talent. Like we were talking earlier about 
players that come from the Netherlands and they flatter to deceive a little bit. There's no doubt about Tadic's ability with a football. The the problem is the consistency and the inability to shoot with you know his weaker foot. We saw that in the AFL final. He had a decent chance and I think he waited till it got on his left and by the time it had it gone. Um, but in the last few weeks, you're seeing a, a player that has just so much skill. And yeah. I think he... Uh, there was a stat this week that he's now got 24 assists for Saints. He, in the times since he joined the Premier League, he's the fifth highest, uh, uh, you know, assist maker. Um, you know, behind some incredible players, I think like Fabregas and Ozil. And you got to think like a lot of that time, like all this season, he's been playing pretty much, apart from the few games where Charlie Austin was fit, and the even fewer games when uh, Gavidini's been fit. He's been playing with some pretty, uh, let's call it profligate strikers um but you're seeing so much skill uh so much talent i think the other there was a great moment i think it was against crystal palace where he sort of span on a sixpence and put the ball through for shane long who fluffed the chance it's fair to say but you're seeing a player that sort of really found his niche really found uh, the ability to hurt opposition teams and it's quite a great yin and yang because redmond is full of pace and, and full of you know gutsy wing play but, yeah. but Tadic on the opposite side is just a little bit more reserved but just more of a bit of a sniper yeah okay so nice nice little balance there I think we need to do talk about Shane Long a little bit later I'm going to write his name down so we can talk about him he's on the naughty list yeah he's on the naughty step and um, let's uh, progress up to the game against Bournemouth then so El Clasicoast the South Coast Derby. I'm going to do inverted commas symbol there. Um, yeah, sorry, Portsmouth fans. <laughs> so what, what's going on here? Is there any rivalry between Southampton and Portsmouth? Is it a one-way rivalry? I think it's kind of... The rivalry is equivalent to a granddad putting his, he- his hand on his grandson's head and letting the grandson sort of box the air. Okay. In the, It's kind of cute and endearing but no blows will ever be landed and it's ultimately a, a, a show of strength I don't think it's a rivalry I think Saints fans have probably got a huge amount of time for Bournemouth thanks for Adam Lallana guys we appreciate that I think a certain lot of Saints fans might have wanted to see Eddie Howe get the job instead of Claude Powell I think there's no doubt about that but I, I think for a rivalry there needs to be a lot of history and there needs to be a lot of animosity or there needs to be a genuine competitiveness and I just don't think Southampton fans see Bournemouth in that way. No. And you know what? If you go back a few years, they would, uh, you know, they'd run through the scores at half time. And they would always announce the Bournemouth score at half time. You know, here's, here's one from the ladies, Bournemouth, so and so, Leighton Orient, whatever. And, you know, if Bournemouth were winning, you'd hear a little ripple of cheers cheer. around, yeah. around the crowd because people are looking out for Bournemouth. So, Portsmouth, if they just, they never did, but if they'd said the no. Portsmouth score, like, you never would have got that. No, definitely not. Well, they they did used to read out the Portsmouth score when they were losing at halftime, and you you would Probably get a cheer if we for were losing as well because well, yeah. it's the only cheer you yeah. get. I, oh, I saw a great photo. I think it was taken on Southampton High Street of sort of some Bournemouth fans with a big flag saying like "Pride of the South." And it was kind of cute, um, and I admire Bournemouth. You know, I think they they play football the right way. They they have a commitment to young British players, and they also have a commitment to bringing players up through the lower leagues. Um, you know, look at Josh King, a million pound from Blackburn. Done fantastically well. Um, but no, I don't think it's a rivalry. 
Sorry, lads. Okay, so we let's just say you know we, we've been very patronising towards Bournemouth. We're not really concerned about a rivalry. Let's let's face it. If if we got Pompey in the cup, let's say next season, third round of the FA Cup or or a League Cup, everyone would be so excited. That's a big one, isn't it? Yeah, I think. And you know, if a if a if a Bournemouth fan wants to come on and and talk, you know, we'd love if there's a Bournemouth podcast, I guess, for someone to come on and have a chat about the rivalry. Um, but yeah, I think we all agree, Pompey's Pompey's the one. Yeah, they're, they're the ones that we really love to watch us uh, beating. So we talked about the rivalry. Should we talk about the game? I don't think it'll take long. Will it? It was a fairly unremarkable game. I think you saw sort of the worst of Saints, really in that game I think you saw the really bad finishing and then you saw the wobble the subs, the double substitution which just didn't work kind of a you know a bit more attacking substitution but we lost the balance of play and in the end we were lucky possibly one of the world's worst penalties yeah from Harry Arter up there I think it's just about to come down somewhere um you know, I think it was a pretty unremarkable game, but I think it's a game that's symptomatic of our season. And I think at the end of it, this season, say if we do finish eighth, which I think all things considered would be a remarkable achievement, you'll look back at games like that and you'll say, well, why didn't we finish seventh? Why didn't we really push sixth? And you'll go, because you drew nil-nil at Bournemouth. <laughs> <laughs> because your dodgy penalty spot saved you. Him and Harry Kane. Yeah. Two victims. So, um... Funnily enough, I heard some people talking, and they were talking about foul play about the Southampton penalty spot there. As in, they thought that maybe the groundsmen have, have done something funny to that penalty spot, which the Saints players know about and other players don't know about. What do you think the likelihood is this? Let's give it on a scale of 0 to 100. Well, the probability that Southampton will be the victim of that is the same as that Southampton will be the net beneficiary. I also then, however, think that Saints don't get any penalties, do they, really? So maybe No, we, we do, however, concede a lot. Concede a lot. Um, maybe fewer since Jose Fontes left, I'm not sure. Oh, the less said about him, the better, I think. It, but I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's... I don't think clubs are that clever. No. I just don't... I, don't, I think, you know, we got unlucky. I, I, th- I don't know. I don't, also, I think if you watch Ariata's penalty, it's not the ball that... It's not the foot that hits the ball that goes. It's his other foot yeah. that buckles and causes him to sky it. Lucky he didn't twist his ankle. Said so now I think, um, like most things in life, there's no conspiracy. There's just cock up. Yeah. That is the thing. I think conspiracy theories give humans far too much credit. That that there's this all this second agenda and stuff like that. Humans just generally a bit lazy and a bit lackadaisical, I think. If you ever worked in a large organisation, you know that the idea that thousands of people coming together for a plan just never, never really works. <laughs> right, so let's move on to the next game, which was uh, home to Palace. And um asked you if you wanted to go. You didn't really respond. asked my brother if he wanted to go. He didn't really fancy it. I didn't fancy going on my own because I always seem to go to the evening games at St Mary's from London on days it's when we're playing against... To get there. Yeah, but it's, it's, all, it's always against a London club. So I'm always on the train back, which takes longer, with the opposing fans. And we always seem to lose to the London club. So I've, uh, I live in South East London. They'd have been coming up to my front door. Yeah, yeah that would be like when I travel back with the West Ham fans after they beat us 3-1. And uh, Anyway... 
So less said about that, the better. In the end, I decided to watch it on um, a uh, friendly video stream from some other country. But this is the thing. It was 10 minutes behind real time. That's insane. So I had to turn off my phone so I wasn't getting updates and rely on this thing and just be like, I know I'm 10 minutes behind. This is this is the best video that my friend in uh, abroad can can get me. And then, ten minutes from the end, when it's one one, the stream cuts out and goes to one of the other Premier League games, which started at eight pm, to show the last bit of that. So I left the game. Uh, I did the equivalent of walking out early at one one. What happened, Tom? We only went and bloody won it. We won. And we scored some goals. Fantastic. That weren't scored by Gaviadini or Van Dyke. It's incredible. Now, I think we... That was... I, I hope that that could be an albeit late turning point for our season. I, I, I really do. They, they won ugly, which is something they've not really done. Um, and I, I think what was really nice was Yoshida getting a goal. Yeah. Don't get many. But the guy... I think we all thought... When Fonte left and then Van Dyke got injured, I think if there was an emoji to describe every Saints fan, it would be that monkey putting his put it, like put his hands in front of his yeah. eyes emoji. Because um, we were like, this is going to be a disaster. And Championship, you know, started looking up, you know, which games we go to in the Championship next year. But Yoshida and Stevens, but Yoshida has stepped up. And he has won over those fans. And I think him getting the goal, he genuinely seems to love the club. He seems to have real passion for, yeah. for the club. And, um, it was great. And then in James Will Prowse's goal, you know, had that courage to be in, in the danger area. And, you know, we hit him twice in a minute. sort of thing teams normally do to us. But a really, really good win. Yeah. Very exciting. And, and, and But the, this is the thing. So you're talking about kind of like how you're looking down once Van Dyke got injured, once Jose Font was sold. You're kind of like looking behind your shoulder. And I've got to admit, when we were 1-0 down in the first half, I was looking over our shoulder. I was looking at the live league table. And it wasn't looking pretty when we were 1-0 down to Palace. And it, is, it, it almost feels like that game could be that kind of like turning point. So that, that was the point when we went from potentially being dragged into a relegation race it wasn't to, to coming out of it. Yeah. You know, there, are, there are clubs... There are bigger clubs, but you know, clubs have spent more money down there than we have. Um, but I think it was a real turning point, and I think it showed they can win ugly. It showed they had other players who can score goals, um, and I, I think it felt it, it felt like a moment of like it's going to be okay, and we can really push on. Um, and I think if you look at the goals, particularly James Ward Prowse's goal, I think it exemplified a lot of really good stuff in recent weeks. Um, Tadix. Part or the the play of James Ward Prowse to in in midfield yeah. to get the ball to Tadic, and Tadic, who is just so classy at the moment, um, just waiting just for that very very split moment that only he can see when Suarez is just still enough on side to lay that ball off, yeah. even though it's a couple of yards, then that ball to come fizzing across the area and James to to knock it in. It was a really good goal. It was a really well worked goal, um, and I think it. What was great, it was three players that were playing really well, Tadic, uh, Suarez and, and War Prowse. And, uh, yeah, it was a really good moment. And um, I, 
quite enjoyed all three of Saints' goals, actually, having now watched them back uh, following being booted out of the the stream. The Redmond goal seems to happen in slow motion. Everyone seems to stop. Yeah. Except Redmond and Suarez. Redmond, yeah. Um, I don't agree. Allardyce is so dramatic. He's such a drama queen. GBH on Zaha. Yeah, stand up, man. ridiculous. It was just a, a little shoulder lad. barge, wasn't he's it? He's a big lad, Zaha. He's bigger than Davis. I tell you he just, what. He just stood up and bounced I've, Davis off him. I've watched some Sam Allardyce teams. and If that's what he considers grievous bodily harm is, God knows what he tells his team to go out there and do. Because it's a genocide yeah. on many occasions. Um, that was just... And, and is this one of the other things? Like... All the other teams always seem to complain about the referees and, and stuff like that. Our players never seem to do that. Are we too polite? Are we too nice? Well, there is an argument for that. I mean, talking to our early point about why we don't get any penalties. Uh, are we too nice? Do do players stay up um, when they should go down? Um, yeah, not too, Shane Long. Not Shane Long, who loves to fall over it seemingly. But I, I think there's two schools of th- well, there's many schools of thought. I personally really don't like it when you see players dive. And it's one of the things with Tadic. I mean, it drives me absolutely mad. And, you know, we talked about the Spurs game earlier. One thing we didn't mention was the, the two penalties. Uh, one which, the foul on Tadic. Um, so the penalty is shout for Tadic. And I think Tadic gets lobbed. He gets whacked by, I think, uh, the Spurs fullback. But instead of going down, he sort of takes a step and then gets, flung his arm in the air, flings his arm in the air. Yeah. And, and that drives me mad because it's like if you just do what happens naturally, you're probably going to get a penalty there. But then all the referees watch that. They then go, he's a marked man. Yeah. And unless he's then physically assaulted in the penalty box, he ain't getting a penalty. No. And I almost think it's counterproductive. Um, but yeah, I can't remember what we're talking about. There, but just, whether, we're, whether we don't complain. Just too nice. I, t- I think maybe we are too nice. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, though, the thing with Claude Puel is... Um, he could be complaining about the referees and getting really angry about them in his interviews, but I don't know if I've ever sat through enough of his interviews. It's not it's not necessary in the most. It's not a motive, it's fair no. to say. I, I think I enjoy hearing from Corpwell by watching the Saints players on the pitch rather than actually hearing his patter in front of the TV cameras. But it's not. It's a, at least he's not moaning no. about stuff. I think all the time. I, I, don't, I think you probably count on one hand this time of season he's had a moan. I think. Compared to Allardyce the other night, and I, maybe it was a foul on Zaha, but Zaha should stand up, and you know he can see that challenge coming from Davis, and he should stand up, and he's only got himself to blame. Yeah. Um, but it was a really good, a really good, really good cross, and a really smart finish from Redmond. Yeah. Um. So things are going well now. We've got three points. Palace have got zero points from the game. We've come from behind to win a game 3-1. Scored three goals uh, without Gabbiadini in the side. I think, you know, when you looked at that run of four fixtures, Spurs, Bournemouth, Palace, West Brom, you were thinking those two home games are the ones where you're targeting your points. We've got four out of uh, six. Not too bad, but the Palace game, good result. Maybe not the greatest performance, but very happy coming away from that. And then we head up to the Hawthorns, uh, where... Tony Punis's West Brom side have been pretty good this season, um, and they've you know they've ground out some pretty good results. Uh, they're very good on the set pieces, don't give much away, and the game pretty much goes. Would you say as expected? I was concerned 
because I looked at the the Saints team, and then you look at the West. They're big lads. I think there's some sort of long-term transfer policy that West Brom have had where they'll only sign people who are like third-generation Viking because all of their players are enormous. You know, Rondon's huge. Also, they're big lads. And then you looked at the Saints midfield in particular. Ward Prowse, who I think can't be much taller than what five ten. Classy, who is like me, he's about like five six, seemingly maybe a bit taller. Holberg doesn't seem to be. If Holberg is tall, there's nothing of him. And I just yeah. thought, God, they're gonna get ruined. Even, even like, um, oh, Senate Yoshida isn't huge. You know, six foot. I was, I was really worried. I, I just didn't think that the West Brom are just one of those teams, aren't they? That seem to always beat us at their could, place. Could, could bully you off the ball. And yeah. But so let, let's talk about that, Mayfield, because I remember sending a text to one of my mates, and he's just like saying, you know, how are you feeling about the game on? Uh, coming up, and I was saying that I wasn't feeling particularly confident. So we've got Charlie Austin out. We've got Gabby Adini out. We've got um, uh, Stephen Davis out. And we've got Romeo, Romeo out. And we've, we've got, got Van Dyke out. So No Fonte. I mean, I know Fonte's gone, yeah. but, you know, no Charlie Austin. Have you said Charlie Austin? Yeah. Yeah, so, you had so, the whole spine of the team yeah, gone. I, I think you're losing kind of like five key players. And I've got to say, Jordi Classy, Schoiberg, I don't even know, that's, that's a real guess at the pronunciation of that one. Um, yeah. I've not been impressed with either of those two players, to be honest, of their Saints careers so far. Yet on Saturday, I was, I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I, I think in particular, um, Classy, I think probably knows he's playing for his future at the club. Um, I think there's a school of Saints fans which probably somewhat unreasonably think that Harrison Reed could have done the job that Classy, you know, could have made the sort of 30 odd appearances that Classy had made and had a similar impact in that time. Yeah. To be fair to Classy, he's a full Dutch international. Yeah, he's won major honours in, in the Netherlands. I'm not sure that Harrison Reed, you know, there's a reason why Harrison Reed isn't playing. Yeah. Um, I think Classy maybe knows he's playing for his shirt. Um, but you have to say he's got two very important goals this year. Uh, both two remarkably similar, similar yeah. goals as well. Yeah, but they choose to keep giving him the ball in that permission in that position because yeah. they lash it. But um, yeah, fair play, like fair play to them. And Holberg the same. I think they've they've struggled as Saints have struggled. I think with with Holberg, yeah, he was one of the youngest players to play for Bayern Munich. He was in and around that Bayern Munich team for four or five years. Um, he was very highly rated by Guardiola. That doesn't happen by accident. Um, yeah, he's got 30-odd caps at, what, like 23 for Denmark. He's obviously a serious footballer. Um, so I think I'll give him a little bit more leeway. But I do think with Classy, a lot of people were wondering, like, what's this all about? He's a tough tackling midfielder. He's not particularly strong. Yeah. You know, like, what, what is he all about? But fair play to him, you know, you the, Probably aren't many tougher midfields to play against than the West Brom one. And not only did he score a very good goal, but bowl accounts, he played a really good all-round game. Yeah, I think he did very well. And that other um, game that uh, where he scored his goal, the game against Arsenal at the Emirates in the was that League Cup quarter-final. Um, I thought he did, you know, did pretty well in that. But on the most part, been pretty disappointed with him. I'm probably one of those Saints fans that wanted to see. Uh, Harrison Reed uh, make that step up there are a few games where I remember watching Harrison Reed and thinking god this guy could be absolutely Everton, brilliant Everton I think was the one I think he just looked like a 
it's like another like just another one off the conveyor belt yeah. like Premier League ready here we go but but he has been so inconsistent hasn't he because sometimes he looks like this guy's going to be playing in England for years and years and years and then just like useless what's the other I mean, he had like one start I think this season and I think it's quite telling that you know, if there was ever a time for Harrison Reed to kick on, it would have been in these two games, you know, without Romeo. And you, you have to think, if you're him, as long as Romeo doesn't go anywhere and as long as Classy doesn't go anywhere, you've got to probably think, what do I do next? Because, you know, he's not getting the games. And then we said the same thing about Stevens. You know, you could say the same about Stevens. Stevens was never getting into that first team. A couple of injuries. Stevens now looks very comfortable. Yeah. I, I suppose it, you know it's not beyond the realms of possibility that we might sell Classy in the summer, and then you know Romeo could get injured or suspended or whatever, and then Harrison Reed would be the the next guy in, in line to look at that, and maybe that could be the point where he could kick on. But um, not sure. So having a little look at this, we're talking about um, one Saints player recently made their hundredth appearance for Southampton, and that was against West Brom, Ryan Bertrand. I love Ryan Bertrand. Let's He's the sort of bloke you wish, like, if one footballer was to go out with the assistant, he'd go, oh, Ryan. <laughs> Will be, Ryan be Bertrand nice. be the one? He's a nice lad. Yeah. I haven't thought of that, but, but I'll tell you what, my sister did get engaged at the weekend. Congratulations. Which was, uh, you know, very exciting. Um, she then ran the Paris Marathon uh, afterwards, and her now fiance also ran the Paris Marathon. It's his yeah. first ever marathon. They're a healthy couple. Yeah, he finished 135 in his first ever marathon. Jesus, and that's two hours and 40 minutes, which is pretty quick. That's rapid. Yeah, she was. Was she meant to be running the marathon, or was she running away from him after? No, no. My my sister was meant to be running. Okay, yeah, they, good, they'd, good. they'd gone Check. there to run the marathon, and then um, yeah, he decided. Yeah, romantic. Evening in Paris, a couple of days before the marathon, and, and that's when he asked. Every man who does a romantic proposal, all you do is make it harder for everyone else. So <laughs> please stop. That's a public service announcement. Okay, right. So let's move on from sisters and go back to Ryan Bertrand. So 100th appearance for Southampton. Probably the only Southampton player with a Champions League winner's medal. I think so. I can't think of... Is Romeo got off? Was he at Chelsea at the time? I can't imagine he was, or he was even on the bench. No. Um, is he probably the only player ever to play for Saints for the Champions League winners' medal? I'm not I, in the mo- in its modern format. I know people hate pretending football started when um, when the Premier League started. And, uh, when football started well. back in 1992. Yeah, no one had ever played it before. Um, he's great, isn't he? I mean, like we. That is, if you ever want to say how astute Les Reed and the setup is, signing a player like Ryan Bertrand is the is the absolute symptomatic. Like we're looking now, yeah. How many loan spells gets gets at Saints, and he has just been phenomenal. Um, yeah, seemingly always fit, always ready. Bags of pace, decent shot, amazing cross. He's just a really, really good footballer, and I. You know, I hope we can keep hold of him. He did sign a long-term contract. Yeah. Uh, not that that means anything. Um, but he's a real quality footballer, and there is talk about him going back to Chelsea. But, you know, who's who's Chelsea? I think Azpilicueta at, at the moment, who's a worldy uh, left-back. So, 
yeah, is he going to go back to Chelsea to warm the bench? I'd certainly hope not. He is a really, really good servant to the club. Um, and I think we're very lucky to have him. Yeah, I'd, I actually feel kind of probably least worried about maybe Ryan Bertrand and Oriol Romeo. And the reason for this is because they've already been that player at the big club that has not had the level of opportunity that perhaps they were expecting when they were being there. So you, let, let's take another left-back, for example, Luke Shaw. So mm-hmm. Luke Shaw <laughs> was in the position before Ryan Bertram was there. So young player, bags of potential, doing really well at Saints, gets the call from Manchester United, 30 million quid, whatever it was, and off he goes. And his Man- Manchester United career has been pretty unremarkable. I know he's had a terrible injury. Um, and he's just, you know, starting to break back into the team now. But, you know, under a hail of kind of public criticism from Jose Mourinho. Whereas you look at Ryan Bertrand and say, yeah, he played at Chelsea, loaned to Bournemouth, loaned to Bournemouth, loaned to Oldham, loaned to Norwich, loaned to Reading, loaned to Nottingham Forest, loaned to Aston Villa, loaned to Southampton, where he finally decides to actually move. And now he's got 100 appearances under his belt. Looks fantastic. England squad. Yeah, England squad every time. And unfortunately, playing at the same time as Danny Rose, I think he's a better player than Danny Rose. I personally think he's... Because I was talking about Ryan Bertrand to a friend of mine who supports Tottenham Hotspur. And um, he mentioned something about Danny Rose being the best left-back. And I was just like, "Mm, don't don't agree. He's not as good a defender as uh, as our Ryan. No. And I, I do think Ryan Bertrand is absolutely fantastic. But I think... He maybe gets more out of being a Southampton player than perhaps he would at being a Chelsea player. I wonder if one of the only good things about the incredibly insane sums of money that footballers are paid now is that in the old days you had to leave to go and earn the big bucks. Um, And, you know, everyone can argue for till the cows come home, they pay too much money, they should never be paid this, well, the nurse only gets paid this, all of which are valid arguments. But what you would hope is that Samson, he probably earns an incredibly good living. He knows he's pretty much probably with Romeo and Van Dyke, probably the first names on the team sheet. Um, and he's, a, you know, the Saints fans love him and it's not stopping his international career. He has to look where he's going to go. If, you, if you're going to move on, you need to genuinely make a step up. Um, and, and I hope he stays at Saints. He did just sign a, a, a longer contract and I hope he stays for many years. Well, there we go. Uh, me and you both. Ryan Bertrand, absolutely fantastic. Great to have 100 games under your belt and definitely stay with us for a long time. And speaking of the word long, so the one person I think in the Saints team who seems to be frustrating everyone at the moment seems to be Shane Long. I feel sorry for Shane. I, for, I, he's obviously just such a confident striker and I feel sorry for Shane Long because he's done, he's turned back into the player that a lot of Saints fans were worried that we'd signed, if that makes sense. So when he signed, people were like, hang on a minute, you spent £12 million, which a terrifying thing to say, it's actually not that much money, is it, in modern football? But it is still like, for Saints. still for Saints a lot of money. On a player that always seemed to be a bit of a jobbing centre-forward that was kind of fluking a career a little bit, maybe. Yeah, And then he... Last season, he was amazing. That, you know, he was a nightmare the, to play against. The second half of last season, Shane Long, for me, was the most exciting player on the pitch. 
Like every every game when we play, I think it started on Boxing Day when we beat Arsenal four nil. Did that lovely little trip, didn't he, on oh. uh, the Vermeil and also he just because yeah. Chelsea just kicked him in the back of the legs. <laughs> beautiful moment of, of sport, and, and that was the turning point for his season. And I think he finished last season. Having fifteen you know, goals, yeah, so and pretty much all in the second half of the season, Pella incredible form, and then coming to this season, and it's been pretty disastrous for long. You know, with the exception of maybe the you know, League Cup semi-final yeah. goal against Liverpool was was great fun, great sight, great excitement from that. But yeah, at the moment, he seems to be frustrating, and this is with a you know, side which has not really had a striker doing it you know now's a good time to be coming back into it same could be said for Rodriguez as well you know they've had their opportunity and they've not they've not done it this season have they no I I think with Rodriguez you can look and you can say Rodriguez has never been the same since he got injured Mm. Um, I think that's fair Uh, that's not his fault I think with Shane Long the, the thing that drives people mad is He's still as fast as he ever was. He's still rapid. He's still a nightmare to play mm. against. He's still, you know, we talk about that little kick against Arsenal. He still does all those beautiful things that you love when your players do to other teams. But it's just the finishing. And I, I feel sorry for him. Really. You know, first minute, I think, against, um, was it against Crystal Palace? He had a really good chance. And he sort of just screwed it wide. Um, and, you know, he's had a number of chances that seemingly can't go in. He just—he almost needs one just to hit him and go in, doesn't he? He just needs like something to happen. Um, but you know, to be fair, credit where credit's due, played a really good role in the goal against West Brom. You know, Nick, sort of winning the ball in a fifty-fifty and then taking the ball into the box, laying it off to Talit. He's just not scoring goals. Yeah. Um, which, as a centre forward, is worrying. But he's just—you know—maybe all he's done is he's just gone back to being Shane Long. Yeah. <laughs> I like the Shane Long of the last half of last season. Yeah. That was that was truly phenomenal. Right, so we've already run into quite a few minutes of this podcast. So I think we've got two games to preview. First up, Manchester City this weekend. Well, who knows? I mean, I, I was I was watching the highlights from last season's game. Shane Long, yeah, Dusantadic, you know, brilliant assist from Dusan and a great little classic Shane Long goal that should never have been. Uh, for the first goal, which is just nipping in front of the terrible Man City centre-backs. Who knows? You know, like, what I would say, Man City have such quality players, like David Silva, you know, Aguero. These players are deadly, aren't they? Sterling is amazing. De Bruyne is not even playing football anymore. He's, like, transcended the game and he's doing something else. Um, but they're weak at the back. Yeah, John Stones is John Stones. They've got a dodgy keeper. The, the keeper seems to concede a goal of a, a rate of one goal roughly for every shot on target. I like those odds. Yeah, so I guess all we need to do is just keep shooting, and so he will. Concede. If we have like four or five shots, yeah, this could be a wonderful game to go to. Just hit the ball from anywhere, lads. Just on target, and he'll let it in. Now, I, I, who knows? I'm one thing I would say is you'd hope Chelsea, the unrelenting grind of the Chelsea machine, now has kind of all but won the league. Yeah. Um, Man City can't probably consider themselves to be up there winning the league anymore, so maybe they'll take the foot off the gas. I'm kind of looking at this one thinking, if we're, if we're going to talk about our remaining fixtures this season, and so is it, what, we've got eight games left, is it? 
eight games left. And so the the obvious winnable ones are Hull City at home, Stoke City but, at home. But even right, Hull City at home, right? Hull City are playing really well since this new manager came in. Yeah. And Hull City have got something to play for. They're going to be playing probably for their Premier League lives. And they've also got a lot of players with points to prove. See, you know, I, even that one is not, not stone banger. I suppose same could be said for Middlesbrough on the 13th of May. Will they be gone by then? I think they'll be gone by then. Yes. I think they're probably the most turgid, awful team to grace the Premier League for, is it 22 goals they've scored all season? Lukaku scored 23. Um, they're an awful team to watch. Yeah. Hopefully they're, they're done. So, anyway, so I think, you know, we'll probably get a result against Middlesbrough. We'll probably get a result against Stoke City. But then you're looking at this barren patch where we've got Manchester City, Chelsea, um, Liverpool. This, we've got Chelsea twice in three days. No, one of those is postponed. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Um, we've also got Man United to play as well. Well, we owe them something. There's no doubt about that. We owe, we owe Man United. Um, Do we also have Arsenal to play? I don't think we do. Um, so Maybe who knows? Not. I mean, I think we've got two nice fixtures to end the season on. Yeah. In terms of uh, Middlesbrough away and Stoke, who who are just falling to pieces at the moment, by all accounts, um, uh, you know, at home. Um, who knows? I, I don't... I mean, the weird thing is, isn't it, with Saints, is that they could go and beat five or six of those teams which I think it shows at the same time they could also lose maybe all of them. five or six of them and I think it shows how important the last two wins have been uh, you know I think it really does show that the, those win, the winning against Crystal Palace the winning against West Brom really important because we can't really as inconsistent as we are take anything for granted no um, but so have, having said that I don't think we'll manage to get through the last eight games without having a couple of wins and I don't imagine that I think we're we're going to do one of Man City Chelsea Liverpool Arsenal Man United one of that five Arsenal can be beat by anyone yeah I mean that's the truest thing there is Man City who they knows get, we yeah. beat Man City last season 3-1 14 um, yeah was it yeah like you know we can we can beat yeah. them again. Liverpool, we've already beaten this Chelsea, season. Chelsea, we beat last season. Liverpool, we've already beaten. Um, and you know, all, I don't know whether it, you know, and a clever man with me will be able to tell you this, but whether it's actually better to play these guys, the big teams at the end of the season when they don't have anything to play for. No. So, if this was two thirds of the way through the season and the title was still there for the taking, and you had to, you had this run of fixtures, would it be? I think that would be worse than by the time you come up against your Arsenal's, the league's finished. They're playing for their holidays. Yeah. You know, and I, I so who knows? We're, but I guess the challenge is also for Saints, isn't it? Because at least they're playing for Champions League qualification. Saints aren't really playing we've, for, we've playing hit for pride. 40 points now, haven't we? Yeah. So who knows what kind of. You've got to trust him well to motivate the players. Right. So I'm going to ask you to make a prediction for the Man City game, Tom. Uh, my heart says uh, 2-1 Saints. Um, I think Gabby Dini's going to come back and I think he's going to score and I think Redmond's going to score. Um, 
my head says we'll lose 2 0. 2 0. I'm going to go for 3 2 Saints. That's nice. He's going to score. Um, Shane Long. Lovely. Going to get one in off his ass. Do you think he'll like pull up his shirt and reveal like a That'll Learn You Saints FC podcast? <laughs> yeah. Something like that. He's, he's one of our regular listeners, I've heard. Hi, Shane. Um, oh, who else is going to score? Maybe Ryan Bertrand's going to chip in with a goal. Oh, I'd like to see that. And, uh, and, uh, and I think Nathan Redmond's going to score again as well. I hope so. I hope John Stones has a nightmare. Yeah. But the only thing is, is that if John Stones has a nightmare, it means they'll definitely try and sign Van Dyke. Yeah. So maybe John Stones should play well. I don't know. Conflict. Maybe he could just have a nightmare against us and then play well for the rest of the season. Yeah, they'll, they'll, right. they'll let it go. And so away to Chelsea, Stamford Bridge. I don't know. How how close is the league table? I mean, how... I think there's... Are they seven points ahead of Spurs? So let's just theorise this. So by the time they play Saints, say if Tottenham lose this weekend, I don't know who Tottenham have, but Tottenham losing is is not likely to, to happen probably unless they're they're playing Chelsea are they um but let's just let's just spitball this for a while this weird theoretical universe um that if Tottenham so Tottenham have got Bournemouth at home so we're looking at now on Saturday you can't see Bournemouth getting anything from that whereas you? Chelsea are away to Manchester United yeah so they could so potentially is, drop points this is quite interesting so let's just say if this happens as you think it could happen. By the time Saints go to Chelsea, the gap could be four points. It could be. Um, which is very interesting. Because that's pressure then, isn't it, on Chelsea? <clears throat> Chelsea have to win. Because Spurs are just not going to stop. Spurs are like the Terminator. <laughs> you know, just... Although Murdering we are getting everything. towards the end of the season, so they may just start to wilt away. Yeah, but I, the reason why they wilted away last time is because they played Chelsea and they lost. Yeah, when they didn't think they were going to. Uh, I don't know. I uh, my my personal preference. I'd love to see Spurs win the league. I really would. Um, but yeah, I I think it sets the Saints game up to be fascinating because you could just you know Mourinho. There's a lot there. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of backstory, isn't there, to that? Yeah. And Mourinho would probably love to get one over on Chelsea. Right. So you've now predicted the future, Tom. I'm just going to go including including how Tottenham are going to get on, including how Chelsea are going to get on at the weekend. You've set it up. There's only a four point difference. What's the score going to be between Southampton and Chelsea? One nil Saints. One nil Saints. Similar to that game against Man United a few years ago where we won 1-0. Uh, Tally scored, I think he'll, he'll do it again. I'd love to see that. Wouldn't that be great for Saints to have a real impact like that? On the league, league on the title league. race. And also yeah. then we'd go into the final. Because obviously we've just won two against Man City and, uh, and, and Chelsea by our random estimation. So we'll be flying. Come the Everton will be looking over their shoulder. I think this is probably why they don't get um, the... Uh, like on stuff like Soccer Saturday, they don't ask the ex-players of the teams, the fans of the teams, to ask for the predictions. Because yeah, that's why Matty doesn't do Soccer Saturday, yeah. isn't it? Well, yeah, not, not the Saints Yeah, games. he never does the Saints games. It's basically, we've just like said, right, we're going to be playing against Conte's Chelsea, yeah, the best team Guardiola's, the Premier League for Guardiola's 10 years. Manchester City, 
and we've called two Saints wins. Yeah, bookies love people like us. <laughs> um, Although, yeah. I've got to say, I did win on one for Arthur on the Grand National on Saturday, so there we go. And why, and why did you pick that horse in particular? I chose that horse in particular because Katie Bliss, a friend, um, was with us. I wanted to put three bets on. I put one for me, one for my wife, one for Katie. Katie's got a nephew called Arthur. Lovely. So I chose him. And then uh, I bought Katie a ticket for um, Soul Wax Live. Yeah, which I'm still recovering Out of the winnings. From. Yeah. Right. Well, speaking of your recovery, should we call it a night now? I feel I've really enjoyed that. It was good. We've we've drank nearly a bottle of wine and chatted about the Saints for nearly an hour. Pleasure. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Tom. Thanks, John. Good to speak to you. Cheerio, everyone. And, uh, yeah, be sure to tune in next time, whenever that may be. Cheers, everyone. Bye-bye.